Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Brian Kumalo. Tackling your stock-related questions this evening are Nick Krell from FNB Wealth and Investments and Mia Kruger from Kruger International. Don't forget to send those questions via SMS to 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at Business Day TV using hashtag uh, stockwatch. Uh, Nick, Mia, uh, welcome to the show. I'll start with you, Nick, there, since you've got amazing lighting um can you give us a market wrap you know of of how the local markets traded i mean it's been a, a decent two days of trading i mean yesterday we were up over two percent and today we're in the green as well what's happening yeah who knows what's happening to be honest with you i suppose first up i should apologize a little bit of uh, although load shedding has started again for me it's not load shedding it's just an unscheduled uh, no lack of electricity um so apologies for the lighting yeah, with regards to the market, who knows? I mean, the U.S. markets also started off uh, in the red today. They were obviously closed yesterday. Um, we were quite positive, I think, during the course of the day. Uh, but I kind of expected it to turn around as the, the U.S. markets opened and went kind of negative. So um, who knows? Maybe, maybe the bottom has been hit in June. And, um, you know, everyone's a little bit apprehensive. But I suppose it's all waiting to see what happens with regards to rate hikes in the U.S., um, you know, in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, and um, Mia, when it comes to U.S. markets, what's the latest there? I mean, yesterday was Labor Day, so there wasn't much, uh, you know, to, to follow. But I see today the market is open and trading again. Yes, right. So this morning it initially opened up in the red, and um, it was after Labor Day, as you mentioned. And most markets were pretty, pretty uh, boring, as yeah. Nick really <laughs> alluded to yesterday, due to Labor Day. It's always the case when we see the U.S. markets close. But last week was quite a, a, a quite a strong sell-off following the Jackson Hole comments by uh, um, Powell. Yeah. And you know the hawkish the the hawkish stance of central banks, uh, including the ECB now, with their very big inflation problems, uh, especially around. Uh, um, uh, energy is 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 a concern when you consider all countries except the U.S. at this stage. It seems like, despite the technical recession that the U.S. finds themselves in, uh, they still have a much stronger consumer that we than we see in in the European area and the U.K. included. So the the market is jittery in terms of the fact that there is a very slim. Uh, signs of growth out there, and uh, and and we still see, you know, the Chinese markets in oh, the Chinese cities in lockdown, yeah. uh, talks of stimulus, but nothing really coming through, and that's really the drivers at the moment. It seems like there's been quite a sell-off, but the the path of least resistance still seems to the downside at this stage. Yeah, at this point, it feels like we're back, um, you know, you know, pre-June or approaching June, where the markets are just red. And we're all just, you know, chasing headlines instead of chasing earnings or, you know, something a little bit more long term than headlines. Yes. Yeah. Let's look at um, some of the questions we have. We have one about, um, you know, ShopRite, which had their numbers today. And obviously uh, they're asking about, you know, the bank. How will the bank, you know, compete with the likes of uh, other challenger banks like Time Bank and Bank Zero? And obviously knowing that um, ShopRite already has a big financial services um, business where 
a lot of stock fails were really, you know, depositing money with ShopRite so they could, you know, withdraw their cash and buy groceries at the end of the year. I mean, is there a case for a, a strong ShopRite bank? Uh, I'll start with you, Mia. Well, I think if we just look at the, the way that ShopRite has utilized the data to the, um, to the, uh, of their users up until now, it's been really beneficial. Their use save has been has added value to them over the last, uh, the last year. They've been able to utilize more sort of uh, uh, shopper-specific uh, specials. And I think all of this will really benefit them on the banking side as well. We know that ShopRite plays in the right area of the market, uh, given an emerging market like South Africa, where the market conditions is mostly challenging. Uh, we, and despite you know, uh, despite the consumer being in a in a in a tough position, despite uh, inflation pressure and rising interest rates, Shoprite is really focused on the right area of the market, and we see them taking away market share. So I don't think it 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 needs to be only focused on on the retail side. They have been pretty successful in gaining some assets in the money market. Um, accounts that they offer now, and they really do try. If I if I read. Uh, I read through their offerings and how they position the money market uh, banking sector or banking uh, proposition. They really do try and benefit uh, their clientele, which is is what you want in an emerging market like South Africa. So I think they do have the opportunity to take away market share from some of the other banks. Yeah, um, Nick, you you heard the way I was speaking. I'm pretty bullish on this bank, yeah? <laughs> Maybe bullish more than other ones and other partnerships that are already out there because, as mm. Mia said, uh, there's a lot of data that they're coming from and, and in terms of, you know, depositors, the, the depositors are already there. It's just a matter of getting the license and doing things uh, right. So are you, are you as bullish as us in the bank, the ShopRite bank? And what would be a good name, well, actually, because ShopRite Bank does, it doesn't have a ring? <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think that, um, you know, it's tough to bet against ShopRite. I mean, just look at the sort of um, innovation and delivery that they've managed to succeed um, over the last couple of years. Uh, 6060 probably being front of sort of mind, but their loyalty program as well, and how that's really sort of taken a lot of market share. Just looking at the results, I thought the results were pretty stellar. Yeah. Uh, even though the stock was down pretty heavily today, um, it really was one of those sort of environments where almost everyone is expecting magical results. You come up with stellar <laughs> results and the stock sells off a little bit. Um, but the, the results were good. Um, for me, I, I suppose at the end of the day, listen, it's, it's always easy, well, not easy, but um, it's interesting to watch these bolt-on type of opportunities. The bigger question, however, is what level of profitability will come through here or are you sort of cementing i suppose your offering to your client um and you know if it's going to be one of those sort of offerings that will be anecdotal towards contribution towards earnings um but cementing the client for the longer term to cement the sort of market share gains uh, that mio was sort of discussing that they've benefited over the last two or three years um you know either way i think it's um it's um it's certainly a stab in the right direction, and I wouldn't bet against these sort of guys. So interesting to see what they what they do in this space. Yeah, um, I'm keen to actually see what what happens there. I mean, uh, it seems like like you said, when it comes to execution, uh, the Shoprite management seems like you know they can do no wrong, and I'm pretty convinced that this bank will do better than the other bank. You know, that's already spent about four billion rands, and they've got nothing to show for it. So let's see.
I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty bullish on this bank. Um, we, we've had, um, you know, a couple of questions here. I mean, the other one is about Bidvest. Um, I have not looked at Bidvest in a very long time. Um, is, is Bidvest a, a, a good investment for the long term? I mean, recently they haven't done as, as good as, you know, the other company that was, you know, separated from, which is Bitcorp, that had a nice bounce back from its lows. Um, Bidvest, Mia? Yes, I mean, Bitvest is sort of in an area of very diversified services that's not front of mind for most people. Uh, probably the only area that is front of mind for people is the vehicle, the vehicle sales and the fleet management. And that's really been an area that they could uh, or, and they did benefit when you just read the latest results. They did benefit from because they had to restock those fleets. They had to buy a lot of vehicles and they sold a lot of vehicles. So um, there was a there was higher prices and that was really something that benefited the company. But they they offer services sort of uh, sort of I don't it's not really back office services. I can't. Um, come on the word now, but it's it's really management of warehousing, et cetera. It's all, sort of all sorts of interesting services that help people operate their businesses better and uh, integrate their business areas. So they did perform well because the economy uh, progressively opened up more and and, and saw more sort of uh, growth just just due to the nature of what we saw during COVID and that benefited the company. I don't know how excited I get about uh, about <laughs> the area of business they are in and about Bitvest as a business because I see a challenging environment in South Africa. But definitely niche businesses with specific service levels uh, like Bitvest, Bitvest can offer you a, a potential entry point uh, without taking a lot of business risk in the front. Yeah, but uh, lots of you know annuity-like businesses within. Um, that net. I mean, uh, Nick, yeah. I mean, they also, uh, you know, made a small bet in Australia, you know, bite size and not, you know, these big deals that can work very well or not work. But uh, what did you make of that? And obviously, I still want your thoughts on, on, on Bidvest. Yes, I suppose. I mean, overall, business uh, Bidvest is a very diversified business, as, as Mia sort of said, and certainly not a sexy business in the sense that it is strongly annuity orientated. It's sort of a, um, a hedge where you'll get a certain percentage above uh, GDP on an annual sort of basis. Very strong at managing their sort of costs, managing and protecting their sort of margins. Um, so it's, it's one of those not so sexy businesses, but that is very quality orientated. So the conservative style to your or, or part to your sort of portfolio overall. Um, having said that, more recently over the last, you know, three, four years, they have diversified outside of South Africa, specifically into UK um, and now into a little bit of Europe. Mm -hmm. And as you said, Australia as well. So so they're certainly looking at trying to sort of go offshore um, and spending, um, you know, being relatively conservative about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but those sort of deals all look to be paying off quite handsomely, um, you know, at the moment. So, um, you know, often areas of the world or areas of the market uh, that doesn't attract a lot of investor interest. Uh, because it is a little bit strong and solid and a little bit boring, um, but they do very well out of it. I think it's a great management team. I think they execute very nicely. So certainly yeah. a company I like. Um, yeah. Okay, Nick likes Bitvest. I mean, uh, we always talk about uh, you know MTN on this on the, on this show. We've got a question here about Vodacom, uh, which is you know the, the the competitor in that business. I mean, 
uh, is this a, a decent investment one could make, Mia? Well, I think Vodacom has also been one of those uh, steady businesses in South Africa that has delivered uh, for shareholders over the years. But yes, it's definitely not been as exciting or as, as scary at some stages as um, as MZN has with with the very big diversification in in in, in ge geography and uh, and risks. But yep. Vodacom, like MTN, the data data is getting cheaper. It's more difficult for these companies. They still have decent margins, so it's going to take quite a while for them to not make uh, not make good returns. But data is becoming cheaper worldwide. There are infrastructure challenges, etc. So. Yes, once again, you know, I don't think uh, the upside is as large as it was about 20 years ago. Okay. Um, Nick, do you like Vodacom at these levels? Listen, one thing I will say is that uh, telecommunications as an investment, as an area of investment, I think um, isn't, partic isn't attractive on the global sort of front. Ouch. Um, you know, there's, there's better, 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 better sort of options out there. Um, having said that, um, you know, Vodacom, as Mia said, very much the strong uh, sort of side of things, very, very, um, I suppose, relatively boring in terms of the earnings growth they paid out, but strong dividend payers. Uh, and, and that's the way they sort of move forward. Certain, certainly sort of market leadership in a South African kind of context. Um, more recently, they've looked at trying to do what MTN has been doing. And that is look at diversifying away into different areas, trying to attract growth. Um, so if you take that management team and their ability to deliver, one's got to say, okay, well, perhaps it's less boring than it was. There is growth on the table. Um, but certainly what we've seen with MTN is as soon as you go into these geographies where there is long-term runway for growth, um, it certainly can be very scary from a regulatory kind of perspective um, and, and all those sorts of things. So, so taking that into consideration, I think um, there's a bit of growth that's there at the moment. I think both MTN and Vodacom are underloved by the market at the moment. So they look pretty attractive from a pricing perspective, uh, but it's probably more of a trade. You know, when they get up to that sort of fair mm -hmm. value, uh, you want to sort of exit it. And when they become unloved as they are at the moment, it's a good opportunity to take a bit of a gamble. Mia, uh, we've got uh, one here about the investment case for Investec Bank, which says, good evening. Can the panels, panelists provide the investment case for Investec and why? The share price is going nowhere for a long time. Thank you in advance. Yeah, well, I can't really uh, give you a full investment case <laughs> for investing, but I think if we consider a banking shares as such, we've uh, we've had quite a, it's been quite a diversified uh, the diversifying trade due to the fact that we've seen interest rates rise. So these banks not only had the um, had the benefit of the rising interest rates. Where they can make more money, but they also had the, uh, all the provisions that they benefited from writing those provisions back. And this is more sort of on the sector uh, than on investing uh, as such. Uh, so for me, the banking shares are really rather a diversifying trade that, that uh, for your portfolio at this stage, benefiting from the rising interest rates than, a, than a, just a long-term sort of uh, investment story. Okay, Nick, uh, your investment case on Investec. And if you had to buy, which well, one would you buy, PLC or the local one? 
So I mean, it, yeah, I think it's relatively irrelevant. Um, <laughs> so what I would I would I would say is that uh, investing in a South African kind of context, number one, uh, the actual shares did quite well last year. Um, yep. So it hasn't gone nowhere forever. Um, it really was one of the standout performers during the course of last year. Um, off those sort of heady levels on a relative basis, um, it has been a, under a bit of bit of pressure. Um, if you take their geographic sort of exposure and where they're aimed at in a South African context, you've got new entrants into that space like Discovery Bank as well, all trying to go after that same, uh, I would say, middle 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 class customer, maybe middle to upper class customer. Um, so in that environment, competition is pretty tough. Second to that, you have the diversification of going into the UK as an example. And certainly since the war, having a look at energy prices, right, we're discussing this just before we came online. Um, you know, there's a lot of pain to be felt, I think, in a UK or European environment, um, specifically more recently. Yeah. Um, and taking that into consideration, I think, um, you know, perhaps uh, investors are somewhat nervous about that sort of exposure. Yeah, I mean, you speak about energy prices in the UK. I have here in front of me um, the European natural gas, gas futures are up. 365% in one year, and that's not the highest. I mean, if you look at Germany, uh, you know, the power index there is up five, 527%, and the French, uh, you know, power index is up 565%. I don't want to live in Europe right now. I mean, I saw a tweet, uh, one of the celebrity chefs saying that his uh, electricity bill has increased the equivalent of 13x you know, in the past uh, couple of months, which is very uh -huh. painful for him. So you can imagine um, what what used to be, a, you know, an exclusive experience is going to be very, uh, not so exclusive very soon, or might just shut down uh, if they want to keep the brand. So uh, operating in Europe is not going to be very easy. Uh, we have a question here about uh, Trellidor. I mean, it's a small cap, um, you know, that's... Yeah. <sighs> I've never really followed this one quite closely. I mean, I remember the listing. It was all good and well. Um, uh, they've done exceptionally well in terms of earnings and growing those. But the, the share price, I don't know much. Uh, you know, you, you sort of get these small caps in South Africa. That well, yeah, Mia? Yeah, well, I just saw they, they, they had a, a trading statement update recently. And I mean, they, they have quite a couple of issues that they had to deal with over the last year or two. Um, amongst the main things, their input cost has risen substantially, steel being one of their, their, their largest input costs rose 80% over the past two years. Yeah. Then they had a, a lay, they had a provision for a labor court uh, judgment against the company that they had to make a provision, a provision for uh, of over 32 million rand. Uh, and all of these, uh, these things that I just mentioned, input costs, uh, a weaker, weaker, um, demand from the South African market. And then, of course, the provision for the labor judgment, uh, really influenced the, the company in a way that they, the headline earnings will be down over 50% uh, compared to the prior year. And the fact that they, um, that, yeah, that, I mean that I can't really see how they will be getting out of this position anytime soon due to the fact that the consumer in South Africa is quite constrained and this is the major market so uh, very unfortunate to see that yeah um, Nick um, <laughs> is the bad news uh, sort of over here I mean this is a big uh, 32 million rand provision I mean though the, you know the 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 heps per share is gonna go to 0.4 cents from 40.8 cents. That's a lot. 
No, 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 it's significant and significant for them. Um, I think, though, from a South African perspective, you know, it's, it's largely because I suppose our sort of market is dominated by resources sort of stocks. Yeah. Uh, you know, we almost forget, um, you know, when resource prices go up, when the RAND sort of blows out, anything along those sort of lines, what the impact is going to be for local manufacturers utilizing those sort of inputs. Um, you know, and as Mia said, for your cost to go up 80%, Sure. I mean, we've got the, the U.S. on watch trying to raise interest rates. Everyone's panicking because, what, labor prices are going up 5 6%. Um, as you said, these energy prices are, are severe. But when you're trying to sell a good and your input cost goes up 80%, you're, you're going to take a bit of a beating. Um, and, and one's got to remember that and remember how volatile, I, I suppose, these, these uh, earnings will be relative to those input costs. Yeah. Wow. Um... I don't want to be definitely on the helm of that business. It sounds very tough, especially since it's overnight as well. It didn't happen <laughs> very slowly. Um, one of the questions we have here uh, from Koketo is asking us if Standard Bank uh, is a good investment for the long term. I mean, uh, I don't know, man. Banking has always been hard to call. I mean, uh, like we've said with Investec, they, they tended to do well recently because of you know rising interest rates and the reversal of those provisions um anything different with standard bank mia i really don't have much to add because i agree with you i think it's very tough to to call uh call that um i think as i mentioned earlier we've really used it as a diversifying trade it's benefits at us we've um we've gained from it but yes it's a single art standard bank i still think it's a tough trading environment. It's very competitive on the local side. Having a diversified uh, portfolio of, of assets, if you think that banking is a good diversifier, as we do at this stage, is probably better for you than, than selecting one. I think you need to have a quite a clear insight into these companies to, to pick one out of uh, quite a couple of, of good companies in South Africa. Uh, Nick, Standard Bank, before we go to our stock picks. Yeah, I like Standard Bank. Um... I think the majority of the South African banking shares here, perhaps excluding Investec, perhaps in excluding Capitec, are cheap at the moment. Um, you know, we're underloved uh, to a large extent, and I think that's largely a function of foreign investors that have not really loved the South African story for some time, uh, combined with obviously the idea from a South African investor perspective that um, externalizing your assets gives you, you know, better diversification and, and greater opportunities. Um, but where does it leave us at the moment? It leaves us in a point where the local banks are trading inexpensively relative to what I think they're worth. Uh, so for me, uh, the financial space as a whole is looking attractive at the moment, but banking shares and Standard Bank being one of them um, certainly look attractive at this stage. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait for that, you know, for our economy to do well and South Africa is back at risk on and we're seeing a lot of foreign investors rushing in to buy our equities. Oh, I think I'm, I'm still young. Maybe one day I'll see that. <laughs> but for now, I remain optimistic. <laughs> With that said, moment of truth. Uh, Mia, your stock pick for the evening? Yes, well, I think there are so many uh, blue chip shares globally that you can pick at this stage with the sell of um, having taken part, especially on the tech side when you look at how strong tech has sold down. So I'll just pick one. I'll pick Microsoft, which is uh, quite a safe bet in my view. I think if you look at uh, where, where uh, comp or companies uh, cut their, their, um, their costs, it's definitely not their software that they cut first. 
and uh, Microsoft has a very strong annuity income. Uh, I think it's pretty pretty uh, um, recession-proof and uh, probably more recession-proof than many other companies out there and has a strong balance sheet and it's sold off quite a bit. So I think buying it at a, around a 20p is in the stretch and it's a, it's a good company to have as a cornerstone in your portfolio. Yeah, and what I liked about Microsoft, you never had you know the problem of having the pair share price being too high that you need to do another sh share split and another share split. Um, yes. Nick, your pick for the evening? Well, I'm going to stick almost with the Standard Bank theme uh, and keep it local, number one. Number two, keep it in the financial space. Um, okay. I'm going to pick Sunlum, my stock pick this e for this evening. And really, it doesn't come down necessarily there. You know, still taking further provisions on um, the environment in South Africa is tough. Um, so operationally, things there, it, it is a tough type of environment. However, I believe there's too much discounted in the current sort of share price. So... <coughs> Excuse me. So um, Sunlum will be my stock pick tonight, but largely as a whole, I think South African fin uh, financials uh, look attractive at this, this point in time. So Nick Rail is going with um, Sunlum and Mia is going with Microsoft. Thank you very much uh, to you. Lady and gent, uh, thanks to my guests, Nick Crail from FNB Wealth and Investments and Mia Kruger from Kruger International. Julieta is back with Stockwatch tomorrow. Same time, same place. Have a good evening. <laughs>